I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by the amazing Aaron. And uh, it is November 10th, and we probably have a uh, crazy cool show for you. How are you, Aaron? I'm okay. How are you? Better than okay. Oh, well, whoopity do. Stupendous. Oh, <laughs> God. Do you, do you know why I'm stupendous? Oh, please do tell me why. That's oh, right. That should have been so my glad you asked. <laughs> so I'm stupendous because I'm sipping on the Pinot Noir that I had made this spring. Get out. Um, this very amazing glass of wine. The bouquet <laughs> is stunning. Tell me about your bouquet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm next to a bathroom, so it might not be the best <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh dear. <laughs> no, it's delicious. It's a it's a wonderful uh fruity nose. Mmm. Sounds oh, great. Yes. No, it's delicious. Are you drinking? Doy. <laughs> <De-doy. De-doy. laughs> I wasn't sure I was going to because I felt pretty rotten today when I woke up, but um I took a couple naps and I think I'm ready to drink now. <laughs> nice. You feel rotten because of uh yesterday or because you get yeah. sick or No, just because of yesterday. Last night I stayed out late. Shouldn't have. Yeah, I did. Well, I hope you're ready to bring it because in this episode we are heading, we're starting this entire show with the Down to the Crossroads segment. shit. I wish I'd known. Just kidding. Episode 17. What's Mm. it called? Gay Catton. I'm, I don't, I don't know. Aren't you going to ask me what gay catton means? What is a... (laughs) What does gay catton mean? Well, I'll tell you. According <laughs> according to Barrel House Words, a blues dialect dictionary, gay catton was um, slang for just, you know, playing around, messing around. Gay catton, you know? Um, specifically, it meant to chase women. It was an old hobo term for a tramp who likes to, quote, hang about for women. Wow. Which, you know, yeah. And hobo slang is probably my favorite kind of slang of all the slangs. Cockney rhyming slang. But should, yeah, hobo slang is the best. I think. This should be a course in college taught hobo oh slang. Oh my god. If I ever get my degrees, that's what I'm going to specialize in. <laughs> hobo slang. <laughs> hobo slang. All right. Well, um, I, I cannot wait for that. Uh, directly afterward, we're going to be doing the Infernal Foreman. Informant? Informant? Yeah, whatever. Informant segment. And then I have my interview with Down Among the Dead Men and the Creature Feature. So, as you may have noticed, I am Xing out from this, only this episode, uh, the satanic-centric segment. <laughs> I figure we banter on about it. And this is not 
like, you know, the way things are going to go from here on out. It's just I had a lot to fit in, and I, you know, that was the one expendable spot that mm-hmm. I thought would be uh, okay. Well, I'm glad it wasn't down in the crossroads that you considered expendable. So. <laughs> Never. Perish the thought. If I could have you on every si- – well, okay, if I could have you – but if I could have you on every single episode, uh, I would absolutely do that. Wow. Every single one. If I could get you – and damned lucky in on the same episode. Uh, it would be a dream come true. Ooh. We can make that dream come true. I'm hoping we can. Yeah. Oh, no. oh I'm hoping. Right. Well, uh, actually, I'm pretty sure he would both gang up on me and it would be like miserable for me. So. Oh, so anytime. I that. I am. So <laughs> Let's <good>. do it now. <laughs> Call him up now. Uh, um, before we start the show, mm-hmm. a couple notes here. I uh, right after I had air quotes finished the uh, COS website, mm. um, my part of it, then uh, I jumped into this other project, which sort of you know kind of actually overlapped a couple weeks at the tail end there. But I'm really excited for this new thing I'm doing. It's um, it's uh, trade work, so I'm creating a website for a local company that is like the largest solar installation. The solar panel installation company in the state. And so they wanted me to work on their website um, because I was recommended by this other gentleman, which I'm going to kind of go into a little bit. But this is just sort of me bragging here for a minute. Please. But they, they valued what I did so much that they're actually installing solar panels on my roof, which if you've ever looked Fuck. into it, is incredibly expensive. It's not That's a cheap awesome. thing at all. But we're doing it for trade. And so now I get to, if this doesn't fall through by me bringing it up here, um, That's I'm not how that works, you know. Offset, yeah. They're gonna. I heard on this shit podcast <laughs> that you were talking about us. Uh, it, this is we're done here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's gonna offset my entire power consumption by like ninety percent, which is That's amazing, awesome. So now I'm gonna have like a two dollar electric bill. I'm super stoked for that. That's a dope trade. I yeah. I've never heard a better trade. Usually when people tell me about that something they're doing in trade, it's like, oh, wow, you got shafted. But it's not yeah. like you're really they going out of it. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. It, I, can't, I was stunned when they agreed to it because uh, this was sort of I – was, uh, I was the whore in this mm. situation. As you They're the John. And the pimp was this guy that I've, I've worked with for a couple years now um, in my professional career. And it's funny because when I, I don't know if I've told this story before, I may have, um, I don't, and I don't know if you guys ever remember way back when I did this sort of spoof on a satanic ritual. Um, <laughs> I had a couple of people, uh, sort of cameo in it and I thought it went really well. It was a lot of fun to do, <laughs> but the day after I released it, I'm not out in my professional life like, mm-hmm. as a Satanist. Um, or so the day, day after I released it, I was approached by... Uh, this gentleman, the pimp in the situation, <laughs> and he was just sort of bantering back and forth, and he said something, oh, it's like a satanic ritual or something? <laughs> so I sort of squinted at him and cocked my head a little bit. I'm like, do you know? <laughs> and he didn't follow it up with anything, but yeah. there was a fair amount of like me kind of worrying that this mm. guy was like... I don't know, tracking me down or some shit. It was it was really weird. Yeah. So I had uh, sort of cornered him in the hall as he was leaving that day. I was like, "Look, you need to understand that <laughs> I keep my personal life and my professional life and completely I will separate. End you. <laughs> I will. Re- <laughs> I will tear out your testicles with my teeth. Whoa. And uh, no, he was like, um, <laughs> "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I was like, 
Just you had mentioned something earlier today, and I thought it was in reference to to me, like like a direct reference to me. He's like, I what? What did I say? Like, <laughs> well, you you had mentioned a satanic ritual. He was like, I don't understand. Awesome. Like, still just not. He was just, you know, I, I just cornered him and I started like aggressively attacking him, and he has no fucking clue what I'm talking about. That's the best. <laughs> so I start feeling an asshat. I'm like, okay, well, look, I'm a satanist. But I don't tell my boss that I'm a Satanist. I keep it on the down low. And I don't tell the other people I work with professionally uh, what I am. One, it's none of their damn business. But two, <laughs> it can actually, because there's a lot of uh, negative stereotypes associated with Satanists um, throughout the years, that I, I just would rather avoid the issue at all. Sure. And he was like, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> no, I, I just thought it would be something funny to say. I, That's and then I thought, this guy has the worst sense of humor in the world. Because there was literally... <laughs> Nothing funny around the the context of the comment. Like, it was so weird. You know, I just thought it would be really funny. Um, so then I immediately lost respect for him. And if you can't tell a joke, I mean, I can't, I can't look you in the eye. You're not worth my time. Um, and so, you know, we went about our lives. And then he comes up to me one morning. And he was like, hey, uh, I've got these uh, solar installation people. And they need a new website. And I... I recommended you, so if you ever do, you know, personal work. And so basically he, he set this thing up, mm -hmm. and then I was like, why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> you know who and what I am now. And he's like, look, the only thing I know is that mm -hmm. you're a damn good designer. You are uh, really nice to work with because you challenge thought, um, and you, you sort of push what you do. You don't just yeah. go the easy route. You, you try to do things the best way you can. Um, <laughs> And and so I was just like, wow, he's he's like just totally stroking me off right now. This is amazing, <coughs> and I can't believe that despite uh, what in Utah would be normally mm. reason to fire you, mm. um, doesn't even register on this guy's radar at all. And and because of that, I'm now in this amazing situation to get this amazing trade with this company. It's it's stunning how things work. He's brought me a couple other clients um, since that haven't really worked out, but. To his credit, man, I mean, I wish there was more people like him that that doesn't even fucking register. It doesn't matter. What <laughs> matters is what you do in your professional life and how you how you approach your career. That's what's important. Do you think he understands what it means or do you think he I mean, do you think he thinks you worship Satan? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> or do you, I'm pretty positive that's what he thinks. That's, I, does but, that worry you, though, that you that like he's cool with that? <laughs> Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me because right. he's done nothing but solids for me. Struck and so if off. he thinks I – he's never asked to clarify. And I'm not going to – I don't care enough to, you know, say, hey, here's a – No, no. Yeah, definitely not. Own. So, <laughs> you know, as long – if he thinks I sacrifice kittens, I don't – you know, I don't. So I don't fucking <laughs> care what he thinks. It doesn't matter to me. As long as he keeps bringing me clients, I'm a happy camper. Yeah, right. so, it's just weird. I, I thought it was an amazing thing mm. uh, that it just didn't fucking matter. So I wanted to bring it up here and uh, sort of polish my knob in front of y'all. <laughs> as soon, I'm going to be posting tons of pics with those solar panels, and I'm going to be doing some dirty things with them. Mm. Mm. Something for any bird that comes near them. I'm going to shoot with, with great your with jizz? pellet gun <laughs> with oh. my penis. <laughs> No, it's awesome. um, okay, and so again, because you know the COS website thing is it's it's an ongoing project forever. It's, you know, it's just we're gonna have to constantly sort of make adjustments, and there are planned adjustments here um, in the near future. But 
you know, like anyone else doing any projects, you have to be able to sort of set it on the shelf and move on. And that's what I'm doing. Uh, I'm really trying to have a new nine cents podcast.com website designed and ready to roll out by the new year. I'm nice. hoping that it can happen. It's going to be in a responsive design, so it'll it'll be a lot more catering to your mobile devices and for your tablets and then for your desktops. It'll have a sort of different layout feel for each. Mm-hmm. But because Nine Cents is growing so much and because I have so many contributing segments and so much content on those segments, I need to have them – I need to restructure the site essentially. I have to create a new site navigation so it's easier to find all of that content being created and uh, and I think I think this is going to end up working. So if you have any suggestions, listeners or Aaron, uh, how you think the website should navigate so that you can find the content you want to find easier, let me know. I'm open to suggestions. I'm in the early design stage, so it's all concept at this point. Um, and then also another project that I'm really excited to get back to um, is uh, the Black House Blues project. I'm not going to let it drop by. I am going to get this thing out. I, I have a number of songs finished. I just have to sort of collect them together, and I'm, I'm working on a couple still. So I, I do have enough to let an EP out. I just want to kind of wait until everything's, I, you know, I have more time uh, to sort of focus on it. Yay. Um, and then lastly, <laughs> yay, I'm screeching, yay. Uh, lastly, a call for topics here, people. So I've been talking about Satanism for years. And I can continue down the road that I've gone down, meaning um, the contributors will continue adding their wonderful flair to the show. And I will sort of on the fly pull out of my ass (laughs) some satanic something to talk about. Uh, But I want this to be something that is relevant to you individually. So if you want me to talk about uh, satanic kittens... Let me know, and I will talk about satanic kittens. First of all, yes, in uh, Afghanistan, they are the rising threat to the, uh, the, the, the Muslim nation over there. Satanic kittens. kittens? So be careful. <laughs> Why aren't we covering this in the news section? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, but, okay, so let me know what you want to hear. I want to, and especially if there's guests, if there's voices that you want to hear other than ours, let me know. I will do my damnedest to get him. I was actually recommended, or I was asked to, to consider getting King Diamond. One, oh, I don't think he would ever be interested in talking on this show. But more to the point, I'm not interested in having him on Oh, show. let me not, talk to him then. Not because he's <laughs> not as valuable individual. It's just I'm not, he's not my fucking flavor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, it's not just, really my thing. And there's other shows like uh, on the Radio Free Satan yeah. Network that do have stuff like that and I believe I have. To yeah. and so that's the venue for something like that so you know I, I will do everything I can to get who you want me to speak to as long as that hasn't already one been done and then two you know that I'm kind of into them <laughs> I don't want to talk it's, I've talked to people in the, the past two and a half two and three quarter years that I really didn't want to talk to like and me every month every single month I get it and you can tell that I don't like it because I don't put my effort into it mm. and then it's just this weird awkward it's just me trying to overcompensate for your quietness yeah it's really, I say things really I regret <laughs> I hope you never have no I enjoyed all of your little comments no regrets and big ones um Eh, anyway, so let me know what you want to hear, and that's kind of all I wanted to talk about. Do you have anything going on this week? Um, no. 
<laughs> I don't know. What well, do you do for fun? For fun? Yeah. Like I don't even know what that fun. means. If you want to put your finger in the air and twirl it around. <laughs> that's all. Well, that's what I do. If by air you mean... No, oh, forget it. <laughs> I don't even want to bring... Um, <laughs> I, I do a lot of schoolwork. I do find a lot of satisfaction in that. I am studying some Shakespeare right now, which is very rewarding. Um, and that does I hang not out. sound fun at all. Shakespeare, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I mean, right. it was a real kind of shock this semester because it's coming straight off of a film class that I was taking that I got like um, an A++++ in because I was just That's so into it. I did. It was actually, it's on my official transcripts as A++++++. Show off. No, no, it was just so much fun. So therefore it was so easy. But this Shakespeare class, apparently people take it very seriously and the professor's very, very serious about Shakespeare. (laughs) And I wasn't ready for it because it was coming straight off of something that I was really just really into. And I I mean, I took the Shakespeare class because I wanted to study Shakespeare and I've always found it interesting since high school and I've always wanted an opportunity to study it. So, but it was a bit of a shock that I was going to actually have to do a shit ton of work. So all of today I spent analyzing, um, comparing one, like the first folio of Titus Andronicus against the first quarto of Titus Andronicus and just picking out what differences. Oh my God. This is why. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. This is what we call fun around here. (laughs) I'm teasing. You're a smart girl. No, there's I'm just a stupid guy that doesn't understand shit. No, there's nothing smart about what I just said. You just did, hadn't heard the words before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not smart. You're just dumb. <laughs> oh, ignorant. There's a difference. <laughs> it's funny. I, I'm one of those guys that whenever when I see a, I used to work at um, a, a, a Starbucks cafe in Barnes and Noble. So whenever I see a book that I think would be really interesting, I buy it. And I've had this. <laughs> tome this like three yellow book put together tome of shakespeare's work yeah. on my uh shelf for near a fucking 10 years yeah i have <laughs> like three of those and you don't you know shakespeare was really meant to be seen like acted not really read, yeah. especially well the plays obviously i'm talking about the plays not the sonnets yeah. and poems because those you, know, you read but the plays really should be seen and um, you know, I was talking about Titus Andronicus. I would I would recommend to anyone listening that they see the movie Titus that came out in shit the nineties, late nineties. Julie Taymor directed it, and um, Anthony Hopkins stars as Titus, and it's fucking phenomenal. And if you watch Breaking Bad, do you, you watch mm-hmm. Breaking Bad, right? You remember? Um, it's over now, yeah, I did. Yeah, what was her name? Um, the dark haired Lydia, right? Lydia, the dark haired woman who worked at the German company. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't remember the character's name. Or, or Todd was in love with her. Yeah, anyway, yeah. she played Lavinia in Titus, and there's this great scene. She she is raped in a forest, and the rapist cut out her tongue and cut off her hands, and they what leave the her. Fuck? I mean, it's it's so gnarly, but it's so well done. It's so beautiful. And Julie Taymor is the crazy woman that directed. Do you remember Spider Man? Turn out the lights, like that really dismally recepted um, or received, I guess is the right, um, uh, Broadway rendition of Spider-Man that they just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, she directed that with, like, Bon by Bono and whatever, Good but... on her. 
I know it's disappointing, but she was. This movie was really great. She directed The Lion King, also, but Titus. I don't I've think been, I've heard of that one. <laughs> you know all the Is that words. New? <laughs> I, do. I know. I can break into song anyway. <laughs> but anyway, that's my so there. I don't know how we got here, but now I'm finished. <laughs> no, that's cool. I, well, I, I blather on, and mm, I rarely mm. invite don't um, I know you it. guys to. <laughs> and I love to hear. What, I like to. I like to know what's going on in your life. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, the rest of uh, my two listeners do too. <laughs> <laughs> now, now one. Now they're all caught up <laughs> and sleeping. <laughs> I didn't know this podcast was about Shakespeare. Stand this. <laughs> All right. Well, how about we dive into Down the Crossroads? Ooh, that's a much better idea. All right, there you will. Sure you want to stay out in this blackout? Sure is dark tonight. Thank you for the ride, sir. I think I'll be fine. See yourself. So this episode, <laughs> Down the Crossroads, mm-hmm. it's, it's called Gay Catton, and we've already talked about what that means. It's mm, Gay Catton. It's hobo slang for... I've been doing that for a while. Gay Catton? Like, before I got married, for those two years of life before I got married, <laughs> I was Gay Catton like mad. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Hanging out at the stockyards. I bet it... I, that's one of those phrases, uh, Gay Catton. <laughs> Totally different meaning nowadays. Yeah, I think so. Um, like, I think I think the context would be the same, you know, hanging out for someone. But now, the sex would be different. <laughs> it would be, it would be all buttholes and all buttholes and dildos and balls slapping balls. <laughs> I mean, I, I, <laughs> no judgment. Hold on, but. <laughs> on the gay turn time right here, really quick. I just mm. found out maybe two months ago what docking dead. was. What docking? Yeah. Like, I've um, never heard of that before. Like, I don't, this, this girl I work with said, like, as soon as I walked in, do you know what docking is? Like, all excited to tell me, because she had just found out. I am unfamiliar. I thought you meant docking, like, docking, oh, like, rocking docking, but, <laughs> <laughs> and no. which is totally, totally, totally gay, but. Oh, this is very gay, too. So it's when one guy puts his penis head inside sure. the foreskin of another guy. What? He talks <laughs> with him. What does that do? My God, people, I don't, it doesn't just do anything. I don't, like, it's just a thing. Like you couldn't do anything with it, but it's just something you you could talking, do huh? if you were so bored. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck. Like, when did sex become so boring that people were just like, "Ugh, I'm so bored of like having sex. I need to <laughs> stick like." What uh, if you stick your foreskin around my head? <laughs> or how about like a rod of glass in my erect penis, and then we'll shatter it when it's inside. No, we'll no, see what no, happens. No. Just see what happens, and afterwards we'll fillet your penis, and then you'll have two penises, and 
<laughs> we just have sex. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm not yet so bored by sex that I have to start <laughs> filleting penises. Oh, that's because you're not married. You were, though. <laughs> I was. Did you ever grow bored of it then? No. Really? It's not. We weren't married that long. <laughs> oh, okay. We weren't yeah. married long enough to get bored. So, <laughs> the gay catin. Gay catin. So, yes, new meaning, which just sort of means having fun, you know. And so, oh, the theme for this month. I forgot to go ahead and tell you the theme. Um, I thought a, it was gay catin. Well, it kind of is. I mean, it's just about having fun. We're celebrating. You have some accomplishments to celebrate. You told us about some of them. I have yeah. some to celebrate. I got a birthday coming up and... I've got some, you know, good, some good news coming in and all that stuff. So we're just going to celebrate with some gay. We're going to get cat. Share your celebratory info. You first. Me first. Well, I already told I my celebratory info. No, I got my okay. card in the mail, so I'm. Woo! Oh. Yay! <laughs> Only about a. Woo! <laughs> Only about ten years. Uh, in the making. <laughs> it's official. It's He's official. A sinner. <laughs> yeah. If it weren't <laughs> official already. So yeah, we're celebrating. That's cool. Hey, let me let me yeah. ask you a personal question. Absolutely. Because I've never asked one of those before. <laughs> um what took so long? Nose picking thing. Uh, oh. why? Why now? What, why what? now? Yeah. Good question. Um well it's been like I said, it's been about ten years or more since I decided that I was a Satanist <laughs> mm-hmm. and I figured I've never considered my, in, in those 10 years, never once did I say, maybe I'm not, you know, it never. So I figured, well, that's a good run 10 years. I'm probably pretty convinced at this point. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> It's called Stockholm syndrome. No, <laughs> you know, I'm not, a, I'm not really a joiner and I never yeah. really wanted a religion. You know, I didn't grow up with any religion and I never felt like I needed it, but Girl, I did need religion. <laughs> get, get religion. No, I did finally feel like, you know, enough was enough. I kind of owed it, you know, to pay my dues if, if nothing else, you know, I wanted to, pay back all the hard work that's been put into the organization. And I also was waiting for that sense that, cause I never wanted to join. This was my um, pledge to myself that I wasn't going to join until I felt like I had something to give back. And I think I've reached a point where I'm, I'm ready. I'm fully capable, ready, willing, and able to sort of give back and be a, a, a voice, you know? Yeah. yeah. And this I show had a lot that, to do with it. Yeah, lot. I would say that you've yeah. been giving back for quite some time. And <laughs> actually, we're at fucking episode 17 of Giving Back. I know. It was a it was a year after a full year had lapsed doing the show. I was so, I was pretty solid. I was like, okay, now I do feel sort of, you know, worthy. Like I have been giving back and I'd like to continue giving back. And I think, to be honest, the Church of Satan needs more women (laughs) Mm -hmm. who are willing and I am willing, you know, that's, I think one important thing I have to offer is that there aren't a lot of repercussions in my life that could come from this. I mean, my boss jokes with me about being a Satanist and doesn't give a shit, you know, the sort of environment that I work in a university environment. I mean, from the first day, they were just like, we don't give a shit what you do. This is, you know, this is a college campus for all intents and purposes. I mean, it's a medical whatever. So it's kind of a little more serious, but they're 
the whole time it's been nobody gives a shit what you do and um i found that to be true you know they weren't lying when they said that so you know i feel comfortable being sort of out i mean i'm not like shouting from the rafters about it but you know it's no (laughs) i love satan (laughs) everybody knows about the show everybody listens you know, that I work with that's cool, you know. They listen to this show and they <laughs> listen to the music. So you don't work with any cool people? Oh, so everybody I know is so cool. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's really cool. It is cool. I'm I'm I feel good about it. <laughs> well, I'm very, very happy that that you joined. One and this it sounds really shallow, but I mean the Church of Satan is a mutual admiration society and so mm-hmm. when be, because in order to be a member, in order to be just you know, a member of the Church of Satan, you just have to put in your money and mm-hmm. um, be approved, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it ends up where, and this is going to sound kind of elitist, there's a lot of douchebags that yeah. <laughs> you may or may not meet that um, that you would never, mm-hmm. ever consider having anything in common with and never want to associate with mm-hmm. um, in the organization. And so when you find someone of substance, mm-hmm. uh, someone of worth in the organization, it it makes you feel really good. And it's mm-hmm. really nice knowing that there are people of substance yes. um, in this <laughs> mutual admiration society that you admire. And so you, my dear, are definitely on the top of that list. Oh. I, I think you're a fantastic voice mm-hmm. for Satanism. And even though what you do is not <laughs> overt air quotes Satanism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's very satanic and and I think that uh, the understanding of that mm-hmm. the difference between um, passions and uh, passions through Satanism I think your segment really helps clarify that uh, it doesn't have to be overtly satanic in order to be truly satanic and that's what Down the Crossroads is it's very truly satanic Thank um, you. Yeah. And I think you're doing a fantastic job. And I hope Thank you. I hope that you continue to do it now that you're uh, an uh, official <laughs> nope. member. I'm out. You don't just I'm like washing my hands of this shit bullshit. Me. <laughs> Shake me like a flea. Nope. Get off my back. Thanks for nothing. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I, uh, this is really important to me. And I love doing this. It's one of the highlights of my existence is doing this show <laughs> so there <laughs> no i love it it's fun it's more fun than you know than everything else i do you know because all i do is schoolwork <laughs> and work wow. yeah, i'd like to think Thank that this you. is more fun than shakespeare really yeah it is. it is certainly easier to understand yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> easier to follow maybe all right well let's listen to some badass music let's fucking do it we're gonna start now but damn. This is going to be some. Oh, so. Today... I don't have a, a volume here. How the fuck do I turn this down? Oh no, is it too loud? This is so loud. Hmm. <laughs> I can't turn it down. What are you doing? What are you using? Spotify? Yeah. There's no volume. Oh, you're using like the web version of Spotify? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I found it. Okay, okay, good. Thank God. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Continue, please. Sorry. So, today, oh, so this is Papa Charlie Jackson, and he is a banjo player, as you probably could tell. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's one of the first recorded blues artists. You know, uh, we forget that it's, you know, blues sort of emerged in the time when, 
you know, music was being recorded for the first time. And so Papa Charlie, as he is fondly known, is, um, see, nobody knows a whole lot about him, but I have, I've heard it from reliable sources that today, November 10th is his birthday. So this is why I chose him first. Wow. Um, Celebration. Yeah. Right. I'm tying it all in. (laughs) (laughs) But this song gets in my head. This song, if I hear it just once, it, it's this baby, 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 baby. It's going to be in my head for for the next week and a half, I guarantee. <laughs> so basically, this song is about, um, it's called Gay Cattin'. And he's out there just gay cattin' about, you know, getting money, getting laid, having fun. Which is, I think, oh, and Rolling Bones, which I think is um like dice <laughs> right yeah right? yeah thank you <laughs> i'm digging okay so this is and we're, we're listening to around 1926 here yeah mm-hmm. right around then <laughs> would you uh i mean this is this is this is a great song here there's a, it's it's sort of this really nice stroll that he's going <laughs> through um i just imagine it like this i don't know maybe black and white uh Motion picture? I don't know. What did they call it back then? Talkies? <laughs> it wasn't even talkie at that time. but it was, uh, just, Motion picture. Yeah, there, it was just a <laughs> black and white strolling around strumming his banjo here. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta ask, is this blues? I mean, what about this to you makes it blues? Ooh, well, interesting question. So Papa Charlie Jones, Jackson was one of the first, I mean, he was one of the first blues artists. So before then, all the recordings were sort of some like a woman singing with a band, like think Bessie Smith with the back. Mm-hmm. It's her singing. She's not playing. I mean, you know, there's a band backing her up. But Papa Charlie Jackson was playing the banjo, which he learned, you know, just sort of like had a banjo and he just started playing it like a, you would play a guitar. So, you know, the banjo is, is usually me as played. a white man or, or me as no, no, a no, badass no. guitar player? you like the royal you or the oh, editorial okay. you whatever replies i'm not sure gotcha. but you know it's sort of sort of strumming it whereas you know there's a lot of different styles of banjo you know picking and all that claw hammer style but it's definitely blues um even though he's not sort of singing he never really sings about sort of sad things you know he's very mm-hmm. upbeat you know the banjo but i well 1926 i mean that's i mean slavery was gone by then right i don't know you're barking up the wrong tree i'm shakespeare <laughs> i'm not a fucking recent history <laughs> i don't you know. had no reason to be sad in 1926 as a black man <laughs> everything None was roses and puppies i don't know yeah um, that's not true, but <laughs> pretty sure they had a rather difficult, but yeah. So, uh, you know, the barrel house blues, which was, mo- well, his piano bass, but it was all very, so he sort of started this style that they call hokum, which is sort of, which is this style, sort of fun, you know, sort of naughty, lewd, tawdry, he did a lot of minstrel show stuff. Uh, he he actually played with Ida Cox, which who I've talked about several times, and she actually died today. Coincidentally, oh. we're not celebrating that part because that's boo. We'll celebrate that's, the life she lived. Indeed, yes. So he he and, and Ida played together a lot. He backed her up. Um, 
so yeah, this this hokum style, which is just great, and you know minstrel shows, and she had this. Oh, uh, I'm gonna fuck this up completely. She had Ida Cox had this sort of touring group called the. Um, doesn't matter, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the something or other. It's a really great name, and I really it's that, wish I'd written it down. <laughs> So, yeah, but yeah, I do consider this blues. Do you, I mean, do you have doubts? Is it because of the banjo or just because? I I bring it up just because um, 1926, I mean, if we can, if we can imagine uh, what music was like Mm -hmm. uh, at that time and I I don't think that we give uh, black people enough credit for how much that I mean you and I we do and we, we do. recognize it. I think the masses do not uh, how much they have enriched not just American culture mm-hmm. not just music but the world with everything that they've done mm. you're going a little what, bit what, far what, there. what has Anglo American or Anglo white man uh, you know I mean they we like to steal other people's ideas, uh, create and destroy. Um, and I'm not trying to paint this as some weird like, racial thing, but the, just <laughs> the idea that, um, well, there's a quote, and I'm not going to, it's going to be very loosely paraphrased here, um, from a really great show, I think, called Get Shorty, mm. where there's this sort of diatribe about mm-hmm. you need to recognize mm-hmm. uh, what black people have brought and how we have enriched your culture as mm-hmm. Americans. And mm-hmm. you need to stop for a second and say thank you. Because mm-hmm. without us, you would be sitting on the corner, and this is just me adding on here, uh, <laughs> playing country music. It, Not that there's anything wrong with that. I, I, I genuinely think there is, because country no, 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 before no. blues' influence was shit, and I, I really no. think without <laughs> the influence of uh, yeah, black Americans, I, I, don't, I don't think we would have gotten here it's so in, quickly. It's really hard to tease out one from the other. They're, they, they've, con, you know, the two streams have met at some point, and there's yeah. no way to tease out what white music would sound like had we not enslaved black people. There's no way to do that. And you're 100% right that no, I don't think that enough props are given to black people. I mean, everyone said, you know, everyone knows Elvis, of course, stole from, stole, quote unquote, from black music. Led Zeppelin completely raped the blues genre, (laughs) you know, just took blues songs, uh, almost whole They were open about it, though. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't try to hide it. You know, at least the Rolling Stones, when they were um, sort of co-opting the blues, at least they they acknowledged it. And they even brought, like, <clears throat> actual, bu- like, old black blues musicians on tour with them and said, hey, here's what we're doing. We're stealing this man's music. At least they were sort of recognizing it. Whereas Led Zeppelin just kind of, like, just took a big fat eraser and just erased the fact that somebody else had written all these blues songs. But... You know, no, you know, people forget. It's crazy to me sometimes when people talk about the banjo and, you know, I'm talking about Papa Charlie Jackson here. It, they think it's crazy that some black man is playing the banjo. Well, guess what? <laughs> like, guess where banjos come from? They come from Africa. You know, they think uh, country, you know, 
hillbillies invented a banjo because I think it, that goofy kid from Deliverance playing the banjo, but black people were playing the, the banjo in Africa. I don't know how long, hundreds, decades. I don't know yeah. how long, but way before hillbillies were playing the banjo. Now it's in, in, insane to think about a black man touching a banjo, but they invented it. You know, it's their instrument. Yeah, I mean, you know, to those, um, all these amazing artists who have passed and, and their legacy uh, lives on through uh, shows like this. You know, thank you to them and thank you to uh, those who have let us enjoy um, their a little window into their minds and into their culture, which is now, so dramatically different than ours today. <laughs> let me ask you now, I mean, music well, quote-unquote, black music back then, and, and compare that to black music now. Like, what do you think went wrong? <laughs> like, what happened? Because um, I sometimes... I I, mm -hmm. I, okay, see, I'm, I'm a little mixed on this because I, I grew up hating um, <laughs> straight-up right. rap, um, <laughs> but I've grown to appreciate hip-hop. Sure. Um, I appreciate the culture and appreciate... Um, its mark on uh, our American culture as it exists today. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I, I, I know a lot of people hated the movie uh, The Great Gatsby. Oh, the new one? Yeah. I don't even fucking see that piece of dog I, shit. <laughs> I love that show. I and I loved it because, I mean, I, I, I like the cinematography. I like the, the people who made that show. Baz Luhrmann like can past works. die but, in um, a fucking fire for all I care. The way that they mixed the music together of you're getting a true sense of the music from the time and then they're mixing it with the music of today and it really is not so different it it feels really nice together and there's there, you have to have an open appreciation for for music in general and 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 to understand that it's not that different from then to now uh, we have different ways of producing it and, and we have different expressions through it. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I think uh, if what you are considering black music mm -hmm. in your question mm -hmm. is hip hop, then I don't think it went wrong. And I think that it is following its own train of uh, growth and in the times that they're living in. Um, and so in that context, I think there was a, a very solid time in the late eighties, early nineties mm -hmm. where um, what you might term black music took a wrong fucking turn. Gangster you rap. You gangster rap as mm -hmm. a perfect example of that, where it's just horrible, horrible, <laughs> not even fucking music. But I think, but I'll, you know, if you're it's in gone like past the, that. Maybe, uh, but the comparison can be made that between gangster rap and what the blues was, because there was, uh, you know, a lot of gangster rap is bragging bravado yeah. talking yeah. about killing i mean blues music is very you, know, you can find the parallels in that um but there was a lot of talent i mean <laughs> do you do you think you think jay-z kanye west there's a lot of like talent there raw talent um well i mean it depends on what you term as talent i mean if it's strumming a guitar I, yeah I, I do think there's okay. strong talent there i, I mean but if, if you're talking about talent as in songwriting expression, physical presence on stage and mm -hmm. in performance and um, 
even even in their own form of lyrics, then yeah, I do think that there is solid talent still. I, the problem I think is is that we have much more uh, media hype on uh, one song strengths. You mm-hmm. know, we're, we're trying to we're being pushed to buy CDs or to buy music CDs. What what are those? Um, <laughs> to buy music. And so in order to do that, they have to inundate people with these sort of, you know, one-hit wonder That's songs. Right. And then we don't get a, a true representation of the talent out there. Mm-hmm. And so if maybe if you're in the club scene and, and you see a lot of local uh, musical talent, your view is drastically different than if you follow the top 40s. Absolutely. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so That's- you're definitely going to be able to see that, yeah, there is still amazing talent, more than ever before. Just by the numbers, there has to be. Mm-hmm. But we may not ever hear it, and we may not ever be exposed to it. And so it's really where you let yourself musically be led, and mm-hmm. that's where you're going to find whether it's going to be good or not. All right. In my opinion. Good answer. <laughs> All right. What's next? All right. Um, yeah, we're uh, still, like, not even in the middle. Oh, this is terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> Celebration! No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> what are we doing now? Oh, Rowdy Blues. Woo! <laughs> All right, Rowdy Blues by Kid Bailey. I'm already playing it. I don't know about you. So, Kid Bailey, there's some... Oh, hold on, before... Can we, yeah, can you, yeah. You let's... guys uh, listening, you can tune into this while oh, yeah. Very we're listening to it. And you can go to 9centspodcast.com or you can go to Facebook slash Down to the Crossroads. You're going to see playlists for every song represented there on both of those sites. Make sure that you hear this music. I mean, we're... Listen it's along. Fun to talk, blabber on about everything, but it's more fun to hear get, it. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we're fucking awesome. I don't know how to say this, but we're a pretty big fucking deal. Um, <laughs> you don't get the full experience of this unless you listen to this music, and that's why Aaron is bringing it to you so yeah. that you will be exposed to it. So do yourself a favor and go check it out and listen to it. All right, sorry, right. Yeah, all right. Rowdy Blues by Kid Bailey. So, Rowdy, you know, that's self explanatory. This is badass. It's so good. And there's some debate about who Kid Bailey is, because he's sort of like this, who, Kid Bailey? No one knows who that is. He only recorded, like, six songs or something like that. And so there's, like, all this um, debate about who he could be. He might be Charlie McCoy. He might be, um, what were some of the other crazy, Walter Vincent, Robert Wilkins, like, these other blues musicians there's some debate about whether Kid um, Kid Bailey was just a pseudonym, a nom de plume that one of the, you know, one of the more well-established blues artists w- were using to sort of just you know fuck around. But this song is it's so great. The cadence, you know, it's sort of yeah. almost like a what's that thing that y'all do when you march in the army and Call stuff. Cadence. Cadence, sure. <laughs> it's really good. So it's a sort of you know this up and down like. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, it's really good. It's hard to talk over it. It's so good, but I feel like I have to talk just in case somebody's not listening along. Yeah. <laughs> Suckers! You're missing, missing out. out. <laughs> Jinx. <gasps> you owe me coke! Damn it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, and he just, you know, the the lyrics are pretty simple you know tame sort of going out 
you know, he's talking. He's talking to a woman, as is the case most of the time. But you know, he's just telling this woman he's gonna. We're gonna go have some fun. I'm gonna take care of you. There's nothing to worry about. We're gonna, you know, go out drinking. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take care of you. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be dope. We're gonna have a fucking good time. But I did. I, he's. I love you, baby. You're so nice and brown. <laughs> That's a selling point for them. It's just you're just so nice and brown. You know. <laughs> yeah, he's just basically wooing this woman, and they're gonna go out and get rowdy. I, uh, I'm a firm believer in mm-hmm. time travel, uh, as referenced in uh, satanic scriptures. Yeah, I, I, I truly love it. I, I the idea of it, and and uh, I do believe uh, when I was stationed in Georgia. Um, <laughs> I had done it yeah. uh, a number of times uh, driving around. I guess you'd consider them ghettos, listening to um, some Muddy Waters early plantation recordings. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it's amazing how powerful, mm-hmm. for me, the blues is and how, how much it can truly transport you to a completely different era. Absolutely. I cannot think. Even when I hear jazz, it's not the same. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. take me to a different place like the blues does jazz hasn't you know it's changed some and there's different forms of jazz like there is different forms of blues but the blues like there's no you can't listen to blues being made today and ever be confused about when it was made you know like like people can make big band like cherry pop and daddy's you know other uh royal crown review all these new big band sort of not new i mean this is i'm dating myself these are like 20 years ago or 10 years ago or something but relatively new whereas if you hear a blues artist a contemporary blues artist there's absolutely no way to fool people into thinking that it's an old recording i don't know what it is i've spent fucking way too many hours of my (laughs) life trying to figure out what it is because I've, you know, I've listened to, tried to listen to contemporary blues artists and they, there's just no mistaking it. There's no way to fool people into thinking. So when you hear something that was from the 30s, 40s, that's, you know, a blues album, Robert Johnson, for example, there's just, I don't know what it is. I haven't figured it out yet, but there's just something that completely sets it apart from it. And there's no way to recreate it that yeah. I have ever heard. And absolutely that, true. You know, I think that's what captured my imagination when I was this 13 year old dipshit from new, like white girl <laughs> from New Hampshire. Like what did I, what right did I have listening to Robert Johnson? And, but it, that was the only thing I wanted to hear for years was Robert Johnson. And there's something that just, it just took me somewhere and it made me feel something that I didn't, that I can't explain, obviously, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it took, you know, and there's, there's something about the blues that, you know, there's a lot of good music out there and there's a lot of music I like. I like jazz. I like all, you know, I like new music as, yeah. you know, everyone. I like who, it when you, when you find tunes like this in unexpected places and mm-hmm. it's sort of just even, even when it's presented in, in a modern take or medium, uh, it still draws you in. I think a really fantastic example of this is Boardwalk Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, almost, I think every single episode at the very credit rolling moment, you get this really wonderful song from the time. Mm-hmm. And it is 
it, it's amazing because you, you're just watching, it's black screen, you're watching these credits roll and you're hearing this amazing music. You just watched a, a really fantastic show and yeah. I'm biased. I love that show. I but, love um, that show too. You're literally transported back to this different era on your fucking sofa mm-hmm. in your boxers under a fucking Afghan rug. I mean, <laughs> I mean your blanket. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's just just you. You and you alone. (laughs) But yeah, the cool thing about Boardwalk Emperor is the opening credits, the song is contemporary. It's a, you know, the Brian Jones Sound Massacre is like a new band. But then, yeah, they do always end it on a very of the time um, song. And it's very, I love that show. It's fucking great. I mean, after Breaking Bad, there's, and Mad Men, those, that show is killer. Yeah. Well, what, what what do we have here at the end? Okay, we have one more, and this is, you know, it goes with the theme. I'm going to hit play on Barrel House Woman by Leroy Carr. And this is, you know, just yeah. Yeah, some good old Barrel House blues, which is piano, but then there's some guitar accompaniment. and Gotta sway. Oh, my. Yeah, I mean, he's just coming. He's just bringing it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> She's so low down, she barrow house all the time. <laughs> She's low and squatty, but I love that girl of mine. You know, I mean, that's that's a love song right there. <laughs> Which is, you know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> Accepting people's flaws. So Leroy Carr, he's got this woman. She loves to go out, starts the day by drinking. She goes out barrel house, you know, which is out to the bar, basically. And she just goes out drinking... And he says, every time I think of that woman, I wished I'd never been born. But then, (laughs) (laughs) but, (laughs) but when she loves me, I forget that I ever was blue. So basically he's saying, you know, she's the worst thing and the best thing in my life. And I'm. So this is a classic, uh, bad relationship, uh, maybe uh, with an alcoholic. (laughs) For sure. Convincing yourself that it's worth it during those brief moments of love. (laughs) Don't we all know about that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so she gets drunk and they fight and she's a horrible monster, but he loves her. and (laughs) (laughs) One of my earliest memories of my father was him pulling out a knife and screaming at my mom and uh-huh. cutting up the couches and sofa and picking her up and throwing her uh, in the sink yeah. and just screaming at her. Just this this stark image of mm-hmm. aggression and violence mm-hmm. fueled by beer. Yeah, I have a story like that too. Uh, uh, my uh, dad, also an alcoholic, he once, I don't remember this, but it was family legend that he once held my brother out of a... Um, the window of a moving car by his feet <laughs> and threatened to throw him out the window because, uh, and he was driving funnily enough. <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah. Um, because my mom loved us kids more than she loved him. But that being said, <laughs> my father did get sober and now, you know, yeah. he, he, he was, he's my hero, but he was a monster when he was drinking. But I also have a very fond memory. One of my earliest memories was, falling asleep on his chest after he'd passed out drinking on the couch. And that's, I remember smelling the smell. Cause you know, you know, 
alcoholics have a very unique smell. It's not just they it's not just their breath smells of alcohol. It's something about the way they metabolize alcohol. <laughs> like alcoholics just have a very distinct smell. And I remember being just a little kid and laying on his chest while he slept and smelling that smell and thinking, this is what love smells like. <laughs> Whoa. And it, yeah, so it's no wonder I have horrible relationships in my 20s. <laughs> well, I mean, to the point and, and, and just to the, the context of that song, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's easy to overlook flaws when sure. there's this sort of fire that ignites when you mm-hmm. when you're with that individual one on one i mean you you overlook some crazy shit just to have, feel that again yep. it's weird it's weird we all we're, know that yep. together um, <laughs> well i'm i'm looking at the clock here we need to uh, we need to we hurry need to up huh? do you do you have time yeah sure okay can well, i go- how about well let's let's tell the people where they can find you online I'm on Facebook at Down the Crossroads. I'm also on Twitter at Chelsea Girl 19. I think that's it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it. Uh, you can always go to 9centspodcast.com and check out uh, the show notes yeah. and the songs referenced if you don't particularly like or have a Facebook account, if you're one of the five people. And um, yeah, so yeah. thank you very much for that. That was a fantastic uh episode of Down the Crossroads there and I, I really did dig it. Thanks. Brought up some shit that now I'm <laughs> we gotta go deal with some on. shit now. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, well let's jump over to Infernal Informant. Alright. Here we go. Hey, what's going on with friends? Uh Infernal Informant. You know the truck. You out there. Hi, right, welcome to the Infernal Informant. This is ABC News uh, from posted on the 9th by Connie Cass, Associated Press. Trans fat doesn't stir much nanny state debate. There are among our most personal daily decisions. They are. <laughs> we, yeah, that's fine. By the way, this is incredibly good wine. Um, Mine is good too. I was, I was really trying to get out to Baltimore at the end of November because of uh, another thing. A thing. But, and I'm not able to do it. You should. Why? What but do you I'm, need? How I'm much money do you need? Out. I will send you all the money. Nice. All right. Let, let me continue. <laughs> we'll talk about um, this offline. What to eat or drink. Maybe yes. what to inhale. Now that the government's banning trans fat, does that... Oh, yeah. By the way, the government is going to plan on ban, banning trans fat. What? Uh, I know. I know. I love me some <laughs> trans fat, too. Um <laughs> Does that mean it's revving up to take away our choice to consume all sorts of other unhealthy stuff? What about salt? Soda? Cigarettes? No! Nah. In the tug-of-war between public health and personal freedom, the Food and Drug Administration's decision to ban trans fat barely rates a ripple. Hardly anyone defends the icky-sounding artifact. I can't believe someone wrote icky. I know. This who fucking... (laughs) Connie, I'm I'm coming after you. (laughs) This whole article is written by a three-year-old. Yeah. Uh, artificial ingredient anymore two decades after health activists began warning americans that it was clogging their arteries and causing heart attacks new york philadelphia a few other localities um (laughs) in the state of california already have banned trans fat from restaurant food mcdonald's taco bell and kfc dropped it from the french fries nachos and chicken years ago the companies that fill grocery shelves say they'd already uh reduced their use of trans fat by nearly three-fourths since 05 Growers are promoting new soybean oils 
that they say will eliminate within a few years the need of partial hydrogenation. If I said that right, mm-hmm. the process that creates trans fats still used to enhance the texture of some pie crusts, cookies, and margarine. And by the way, mm-hmm. by the way, if mm-hmm. you're using, first of all, if you're buying cookies at the grocery store, you should be shot. Dang. Make your own cookies. It takes mm-hmm. fucking thirty minutes. And then pie crust. If you don't make your own pie crust, <sighs> how easy it is to make pie crust. You're such a hippie. Do you know what? But it's 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 water. Ever since you got those solar panels, you've been all like, "Peace, man! Like, I've make your own cookies and stuff." <laughs> I actually poop in my garden. That's how hippie I am. Uh, mostly, Americans' palates have moved on, and so have their arguments over what's sensible health policy and what amounts to a nanny state run amok. When they aren't feuding over President Barack Obama's health care law, state politicians are busy weighing in on the wisdom of legalizing marijuana. Already 20 states and the District of Columbia have authorized it for medicinal use. Voters in Colorado and Washington state approved smoking pot just for fun. The FDA is taking heat for delays in coming out with new rules on regular old tobacco cigarettes under the law passed in 09. There are the new e-cigarettes to worry about too more than 20 states have banned from selling electronic cigarettes to minors but the federal government has yet to take them on new york mayor michael bloomberg's attempts to stop restaurants from selling sodas larger than 16 ounces and the federal government's efforts to efforts to impose (laughs) i'm having a hard time reading here impose healthier lunches on school kids are causing more of an uproar than the trans fat ban Genuinely upsets me that there is an uproar about providing healthier lunches to mm-hmm. school kids. Yeah, it's why is that even a fucking issue? We're fucking Americans. If we want That's big true. fat obese babies, we gonna have them big fat babies. They gonna be eating butter by the stick. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know I like what your, their problem is. I like your bad American voice. That's all. <laughs> the FDA is taking heat for delays in coming out with new rules on regular old tobacco cigarettes and a lot. Pe- Sorry. <laughs> blah, blah, still, Jeffrey Levy, <laughs> executive director of the nonprofit Trust for Americans Health, says the national trans fat ban is a big deal. It's not After that big all, a deal. It's not. After all, the <laughs> FDA estimates it will prevent 20,000 heart no, attacks won't. and 7,000 deaths a year. I bet it won't. And if it does, do we want to save those people? No, lives? fuck those people. Do they des- If those- they're literally clogging themselves up, <laughs> do they deserve to? <laughs> all right, let's see. Yeah. Levy doesn't see it as evidence that federal regulators are suddenly on a roll, however. There are other areas where regulation is sort of stuck. Everything from nutrition labeling to food safety to tobacco regulations that have not seen the light of day, Levy said. Talk of new government regulations typically stirs up libertarians and conservatives, yet the trans fat ban hasn't provoked much beefing. Radio host (laughs) Rush Limbaugh, oh, he's... Is he still around? ...health... Gaussed that bureaucrats shouldn't regulate what people eat because it's none of their business. And Mm -hmm. research on nutrition keeps changing. After all, sticks of margarine (laughs) made with trans fat used to be recommended as healthy alternatives to butter. Well, yeah. Um, I I like it when people can't see past the end of their nose. I love that. They think that legislation like this only affects the individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're paying for their health fucking care from their being so goddamn obese. Our health insurance rates go up because of that. Does yeah. no one see the correlations anymore? It's. I, I also like the that argument like science don't know. Science ain't done yet. 
They ain't done figure. I don't know why. They used to say margin was good. Now they say it's bad. Um, it's still better than butter, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm not up. I don't fucking touch the shit. Either one of them. I just. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's better still than like sucking on butter. I don't. I don't sucking know. Sucking on butter. <laughs> you like to suck on a stick of butter. It's kind of like a lollipop. I creamy. would totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> Heritage Foundation, I'm almost done here, uh, research <clears throat> fellow Darren Baxt, who specializes in agriculture issues, blogged that the FDA is ignoring the most important issue, the freedom of America. <laughs> I hate it when we... No, oh, okay, I'm, I'm not going to continue about that because this is sort of yeah. the only people who are making any sort of a fuss um, about <laughs> stuff like this is, you're, you're infringing on my personal freedom. Right. Again, can't see past the end of your nose. Did you ever realize that you're in a collective society, that the United States is not the united of you? It's a collective of other individuals, meaning that there will be, there will be restrictions on what you can do. There is no such thing as freedom. Even if you lived in the damn wilderness all by yourself, weather will fucking kill you. Animals, kids walking down the hall behind me will kill you. And I don't know if you heard that. Uh, animals coming out of the damn woods <laughs> will kill you. There are a billion things that will infringe on your personal freedom and happiness. So don't pretend like this construct, this this idea of freedom exists in the world because it doesn't. It is manufactured. It is not real. You know, it, what's interesting to me is Americans really are the only country that gives a shit about freedom, right? Like nobody else has any sort of – like the French Revolution – that wasn't about freedom, right? The American Revolution was about freedom. We're the only country that gives a shit about freedom. And I wonder, and I know, like, everyone's kind of, like, on that part, like, party line. Like, it's freedom is really important. But, like, how important is this, like, freedom? <laughs> like, this quote-unquote freedom. Fucking brilliant question. And you know? Everyone should ask that. Because, and, and if you can actually look past your own personal bubble of existence mm -hmm. and look at the impact of personal freedoms over a society. And, and as Satanists, you have to do that in the context of individual freedom, meaning uh, decisions made collectively will affect you. And so you have to do things and, and you have to uh, act in a sense of self-interest. And sometimes that means literally restricting the freedoms of people so that right. you can exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, people uh, have this argument all the time about safety versus freedom. Like, what are we willing to give up for our safety? How much of our free? You know, we do it every day. We do it all the time. Um, sure, there are lines that don't that shouldn't be crossed. Uh, but this I, this idea of freedom, this sort of like um, nebulous freedom that no one really can define, you know, except for themselves. Means you can do what you want to do. Right, okay, yeah, because that has ever happened. You know, <laughs> that freedom, of course, only goes so far as the next, as close as the next person, you know, mm -hmm. in your yeah. physical space. Your freedom goes only so, only that far as till you bump into some other motherfucker, and then their freedom, and then exponentially freedom just sort of spreads out like a virus, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, like, where did, we we all make these conscious and unconscious decisions about what are we willing to and what is free to mean to us and you know 
it's an interesting conversation to have. And, and trans fat, which we've all fucking agreed is bad for you. Just like, <laughs> you know, smoking. We all know it's bad for you. Trans fat. I don't know if it's addictive. Nicotine. I am 100% anecdotally and scientifically convinced it is addictive. You know, if we can regulate against something like trans fat that no one... No one, I mean, it's a matter of taste. Like, oh, my fucking goddamn Big Mac or my French fries, my biggie size French fries isn't quite as good as I remember it. Mm-hmm. You know, who fucking gives a shit? Like, come on, fatties. Like, <laughs> I'm, I personally am addicted to nicotine and I smoke cigarettes, even though I know it's going to kill me. There's all sorts of repercussions. That's a choice that I have made. But trans fat, like, is there are there people that are physically addicted to trans fat? Or is there anyone who even has noticed that their fucking, you know, supersized French fry doesn't quite satisfy like it used to? I mean, fuck it. Tra- who gives a shit? Ban trans fat. Ban it all fat. I don't give a shit. <laughs> it is funny because there's, on one hand, this concern about not wanting your freedoms taken away, even though it, it may be an obvious bad choice. But then th- the implementation of that, if it ever happens, is years down the road. I mean, they have legislation passed to ban and, and to mark up things that they haven't done yet. So it's not like they're on the ball, like they're ready to leap. So you, yeah. you can enjoy your processed fats for quite some time longer, people. Stock up, you know? Yeah, exactly. Collect, store as many as you want. If it means so much to you, go to get a membership to BJ's and just fucking load up on whatever shit has trans fat. I love this argument, that slippery slope argument, where all of a sudden (laughs) everything is just, oh, all of a sudden, like, we're all fucking goose-stepping to uh, old Hitler footage. You know, (laughs) that's not necessarily how it works. Not everything is a slippery slope like we're not all of a sudden all going to be you know slate like hares and bergeron slaves to (laughs) you know we're okay we're gonna be okay this isn't the first step in a very very long slippery slope into the depths of zero personal freedom yeah and and really the point of this article was to illustrate just that is that it is uh point blank a good thing for our collective health, but it probably won't see implementation for a number of years. So it's not a big deal and, and people should not be freaking out. And, and genuinely, the article flatly states that it's not being right. freaked out about by the majority of people. And, and the people who are freaking out have ulterior motives um, than just enjoying uh, their own trans fats and clog- artery clogging uh, oils. Mm-hmm. So. It It is really just an, an insane notion that you fight so much for something that is just there to kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it's almost like um, if you just want to die, then fuck, just get it over with. Seriously. Leave the earth for the rest of us to enjoy because we want to be here and we want to live. And right. it, it's sort of that, that old school notion of if you just eat like our ancestors did, sure. i.e. pre-processed foods then you will live a long and happy life. And it is your choice to just shop in the center frozen food aisles of your Mm -hmm. grocery stores. And if you do that, then you will have a significantly shorter life, and that's fine. Do your thing. But it's going to be, in this case, in years to come, without trans fats. Sorry Mm -hmm. to burst your bubble. All right, what do we have next? 
Jews in Europe report Wait, what's a, a Jew again? Jew? What is a Jew? A Jewish yeah. person. The slaves, right? Well, they're the old. They're they're the OG slaves. The OG slaves, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Before, yeah. Jews in Europe report a surge in anti-Semitism. So Brussels by Andrew Higgins, published November 8th. Oh, fear of rising anti-Semitism in Europe has prompted nearly a third of European Jews to consider emigration because they do not feel safe in their home country, according to a detailed survey of Jewish perceptions released Friday by a European Union agency that monitors discrimination and other violation of basic rights. The survey by Bloch's Fundamental Rights Agency focused on eight countries that account for more than 90% of Europe's Jewish population and found that, quote, while member states have made sustained efforts to combat anti-Semitism, the problem is still widespread, unquote. The Vienna-based agency, in a lengthy report on its findings, did not reach any conclusions about the cause of a perception among European Jews of rising bias. That's interesting. But the editorial note... But the result of its survey suggests that prejudices traditionally associated with far-right nationalist political groups like those that collaborated with the Nazis during World War II have now spread to other segments of society and are increasingly driven by conflict in the Middle East rather than homegrown bigotry. My favorite kind of bigotry. (laughs) One third of respondents said they considered statements critical of Israel as anti-Semitic. I think that is really important sentence so i'm gonna one third of respondents said they consider statements critical of israel as anti-semitic okay keeping that in mind quote it paints a clear picture of an issue in europe today that they need to address more firmly and take seriously said morton something or other that the danish director of the fundamental rights agency an independent organization funded funded by the european union He said he was particularly struck that 29% of those surveyed said they had considered emigrating because of security considerations. Quote, that is a clear indication of an issue we need to address, unquote, he said in a telephone interview. Survey gathered information from nearly 6,000 Jews living in Belgium, Britain, France, Germany, Hungary, Italy, Latvia, and Sweden. The data was collected online by respondents who identified themselves as Jewish. But Mr. Kajurum said that said the process nonetheless. I like your vote of confidence in me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kajurum said that the said the process nonetheless provided a fairly representative sampling of views. Jewish groups in countries like France have long warned that Europe's economic crisis, lingering prejudice, and a surge of Muslim immigrants, often hostile to Israel, have stoked a revival of hostility toward Jews. But the new survey, released on the eve of the 75th anniversary of Kristallnacht violence against Jews in Nazi Germany, gives the first detailed snapshot of Jewish perceptions of the problem across Europe. 66% of respondents said they considered anti-Semitism to be a major problem in their countries while 76% said the situation had become more acute over the past five years. The internet has become a particular cause for concern among European Jews, with 75% of those surveyed stating that they considered anti-Semitism a problem online. <laughs> this is funny. Nearly oh, this... <laughs> Should I... I mean, I'll just yeah, stop. <laughs> after the, the physical violence paragraph, we can start. Oh, okay, yeah, because that's the good one. Okay, a quarter said they expressed some form of anti-Semitic harassment. Physical violence, however, is comparatively rare, with 4% 
responding that they had experienced violence or threats of violence because violence or threats of violence mm-hmm. because they were Jewish in the year before that. Okay, that is the <laughs> single most important paragraph. Physical violence is at four four percent of people said they had experienced violence or threats of violence. Do you know what four percent is? <laughs> that is of all the Jews in the world. Teeny, weeny, teeny, tiny. And not even, they haven't even experienced violence. They have experienced violence or threats of what the fuck are they doing? Why am I even talking about this? There's like a couple, I mean, this article was written to, uh, in my opinion, uh, spread the victim mentality that is perpetuated uh, largely this identity of, of being a Jew. You have to be a victim if you're Jewish. I don't understand it. I know I Jews who do not. I and I'm that anecdotal guy. Yeah, I got a black friend. No, I, I got a Jewish friend. And he's not a he's not afraid of <laughs> <laughs> people hating Jews. It's it's totally a, a victim It is based a completely fucking religion. Ideology. I mean, it was founded on the idea of being a victim, but it, it is something that has carried through crazy well, Throughout its history. But at the same time, it is important to keep in mind that they are the chosen people. So there's an So they are the persecuted elite, you know? Mm -hmm. Like the, and I love Jews. I am, I don't, you know, I do not understand anti Semitism at all. Like Jewish people, every Jewish person I've known, and as far as I know, the culture, it's all about education and enlightenment and elucidation. I am. Hold on, because what you said earlier, that line that you repeated, one third of respondents said they considered statements critical of Israel as anti Semitic. Uh-huh. Well, that's. I think yes. Explains the in, in, entire uh-huh. sense of uh, persecution is that on an individual basis, it's not that big of a deal, but when you collectively respond to ideas that are, are political, religious, social, uh, in, in nature, then it is. And, and so I think, I think Mm -hmm. we have to ask ourselves, um, and certainly I'm hoping any Jew listening, (laughs) (laughs) I have a huge Jewish audience. (laughs) Uh, any Jew listening at, ask themselves, well, why is it that if, if anti-Semitism equals anti-Israel, why would people be anti-Israel? Mm, why? And, and, and this sense of victimhood is literally mm-hmm. caused, like, like you are perpetuating it by your actions. Mm-hmm. If you don't want people to be against your, your this, the chosen people's wonderful country, then maybe that chosen people's wonderful country should stop being a fucking asshole. Yeah, like, stop being maybe, such a bitch. Maybe we stop being a horrible human beings. Like, mm-hmm. maybe that would make people a little more favorable to, uh, I don't know, Jews. Yeah, you think? I think that's one of the, the main problems of Jewishness, is this attachment to Israel. The fact that they've completely tied their identity to this this thing this israel concept, yeah, yeah this unreal thing and um there's no reason for it there's no reason for that right is there i, I genuinely <laughs> don't think so but we even have uh, united states christian groups doing it I don't so get it, man. It, whatever it is it's a very powerful idea I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's this us versus them mentality that somehow started somewhere where Israel is. It's a victimhood. 
yeah, at, at their core, they want to be th- this type of person, mm-hmm. the type of Judeo-Christian that will uh, latch on to the idea of Israel. They want to be associated with punishment and with pain because mm-hmm. it means that they get a sense of satisfaction with that. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, I'm a victim. It, it, that means I'm different. I'm special. special. And because of my yeah. victimhood, I get special rights that other people don't get. I get to do things that other people... And you can't say anything bad about me because I'm a victim. And you can't look bad... You can't look down at victims. Right. It's this mentality. Like, they're special because they've suffered. Well, guess what, <laughs> Everyone has suffered. And you cannot tell me that your grandparents' suffering is somehow reason for you to act like a dickhead nowadays or to have this sense of entitlement. I mean, as far as, like... um cultures that have been persecuted and sort of oppressed i mean the jews are really kind of doing all right for themselves aren't they i mean (laughs) don't they run like the media and hollywood i mean i don't understand this 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 sort of jewish um loophole this sort of like we're the oppressed yet we're the chosen people we are you know we can't get ahead yet we fucking run everything (laughs) and we have all the money you know jews are confused it feels like i mean or they have it all fucking figured out you know i mean they really kind of yes sort of figured shit out because they have all the money yet Everyone still thinks they're some fucking victim, you know, that needs our help when really they're 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 the help. I would I would say that we we make in our arguments some generalities that <laughs> oh, do yes. not hold true to individual <laughs> cases. So we need no to understand idea that. what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> However, in that context, I think I think despite that, the argument stands, and I think that. The problem with Jews are the Jews, not everyone else. They are their own problem. They are perpetuating any type of anti-Semitism that's out there is because of their collective behavior, because of Israel's behavior. It is not because people just can smell you as a Jew and say, hmm, I'm going to kill that person, or ooh, I don't like that person. No, because on an individual basis... Human beings are all generally just blasé. There's no reason to abjectly hate them. Like, like human beings are just stupid animals. Like, why would you go out of your way to kill a stupid animal? It's just a stupid animal. Move along. But when you act like a victim and you use that as a justification for horrible behavior, mm-hmm. that is when people see past your bullshit lies. And that is the sole reason, in my opinion my very educated opinion studying this for years, uh, at least 100 years in, in Europe. Um, it's because <laughs> I'm, I'm over 100 years old. Uh, it's because of your shitty behavior. So stop being assholes and people won't hate you. It's pretty fucking simple math. If you're so cons- – and here's the thing. If you don't care if people hate you, you wouldn't have articles right. like this published. You wouldn't cry yeah. victim. Right. You are genuinely concerned about people hating you. And if that's the case, employ a little lesser magic, dickhead. And oh, fucking get out of that cycle of hatred. Like, yep. it is totally in your control. It is completely in your control. I mean, for people like me who genuinely don't care what people think because I still live my life the way I want to, I don't go around claiming to be a victim because mm-hmm. I'm kind of in control of my life. Yeah, you if can't you have, have it both ways. If you control, just fucking take it. Be a man. Be a woman. Stand up. Fuck. Be a Jew. Stupid Israel. <laughs> no, it just drives me crazy. And anyone who claims... 
oh, you're an anti-Semite. Well, that just proves that you're a douchebag for yeah. saying that. I'm not Because you cannot say, because horrible things have happened in the past, that that is cause for forever being a victim and forever everyone hating your religion. It has nothing to do with that. Your religion is a reflection of itself. If people hate it, it's because of what it's done. Mm, yep. Again, that argument. See past the end of your fucking nose. Yeah. So aggravating. Yeah. I'm getting heated. Like, I'm getting, like, genuinely overheated here, but my wife is not helping. <laughs> Take the break. Jews are not helping. Israel is not helping me. No. All right. and, and, I mean, to the credit, <laughs> I genuinely do love, I, yeah. I, like, the mythology. Yeah. I, I mean, I they got it. a I, lot of shit amazing. figured out, you know. A lot of shit figured out. But, uh, yeah. I, fuck. All right, well, let's, uh, let's end this bad boy with Creature Feature, their discussion with Down Among the Dead Men. And, wow, this is a really long episode. It's like two hours. I blame But it's myself. a celebration. Hello, <laughs> hello, <Hello-da. laughs> Where's my keys? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Creature Feature. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Creature Feature. Welcome to another Creature Feature. Today I'm being joined, once again in a long time actually, by David Ingram. How are you, my man? I'm very well, thank you, sir, and thank you for allowing me back on the show. It's an absolute <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> allowing you, I'm pulling you kicking and screaming. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. must come back. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I thought our last conversation was fantastic, and it has been actually a really long time. But as soon as I found out about this new project, which is the topic of this discussion, I knew that uh, you had to come back in one way or another. So I'm very, very pleased to have you. And we're going to be talking about your new musical project, Down Among the Dead Men. Um, very excited to get into that. And actually, we're going to be playing at the tail end of this segment, uh, one of the tracks from that album called Infernal Nexus. Uh, and again, this album is not out yet. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that in depth. But before we dive into it, um, I've already talked a little bit about you as an individual, but maybe by way of uh, a refresher for the audience or for those who are learning about you for the first time. Uh, can I mean, you do have a history as a musician and you have two podcasts that you're currently operating. So maybe you could give us a little rundown about about that. Okay, let, let's go back to uh, back to 1990 first. Then Whoa. that's when. Yeah, that's. I'll be very brief. Don't worry. Um, yeah. I, I joined Benediction, a death metal band from England, in 1990. I was a member for eight years and multiple releases. Uh, I left in '98. A few months later, joined another English band called Bolt Thrower. Uh, did one album with them i just joined them and they just released an album with their previous singer so there was a, a large gap before the next one um and i was with them for almost six years and due to ill health i quit um eventually got better did a few other musical projects some smaller ones in here in denmark where i now live and i've been doing internet radio for the last five and a half years uh, two shows one called metal breakfast radio uh, which is obviously a, a metal show, and the other, <laughs> Lambert's Basements, which is for big band jazz, and only just recently began doing this Down Among the Dead Men project. I say recently, it's nine months. I'd say, you know, in the scope of a decade, that's that's pretty recent. Yeah. Um, 
Well, okay, let me let me just say really quick, uh, both Metal Breakfast Radio and Lambert's Basement can be found on RadioFreeSatan.com, um, and they're both fantastic. I mean, Metal Breakfast oh, Radio you. is very, very entertaining, if, if not just for the music, but for the commentary and, and everything. I mean, that was the sort of the topic of discussion last time you were on the show. And then Lambert's Basement, if, well, first of all, I don't know anyone who doesn't appreciate uh, and respect big band swing and jazz, but if you have a passion for it, well, that is the the podcast for you. It's truly entertaining, and it, it brings some really fantastic gems that you may have just been discovering for the first time if you tune in. So definitely check both of those out if you have the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you were a, a lead singer for death metal band. Can I ask you quickly before we dive into anything else? What turned you on to death metal over, say, um, I don't know, pop? <laughs> It was when I was seven years old. Uh, my sister uh, played the Black Sabbath album, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Oh, yes. And at seven years old, it was... I don't know if you've ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where Homer hears this type of music as he's a young boy and he sees all these weird lights and colors. And <laughs> I don't think I have, no. Okay, well, it was sort of a moment similar to that when I heard that initial riff on that album. And um, yeah, it, it, I, I didn't look back from there. It was all, it always had to be the heavier side. And as the music got more aggressive over the years, I followed that and I went into that even more. And I, I went through a period of just pure punk because the, the the metal wasn't doing it for me. It wasn't heavy enough. Yeah. And then bands came like Celtic Frost and Venom, Voivod and Slayer, and uh, that's when I began to really take notice of uh, the metal scene again. Oh, and it just progressed from there, and it's it's always been the the more heavier side. And I think my my jazz head came came from my uh, my father, well my my stepfather actually was my my stepdad, uh, Lambert himself, and he was into the, the big band stuff, and we would listen to it together on his radio in in the kitchen at home when I was growing up. So that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, he sort of tempered the the metal head with with the jazz, so it it worked well. It it is an interesting juxtaposition. I mean, to mm. be sure, death metal uh, or hardcore and <laughs> swing or jazz. I mean, it's just it seemingly does not fit at all. Um, but it's amazing. Uh, well, let let's talk about Down Among the Dead Men. Can you uh, can you describe what this group is? Right. Well, I mean, I, I before you do, I, I'm imagining yeah. a mix between Enya and the Carpenters. No, uh, <laughs> it, 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 you're close. Oh, um, okay, okay. Uh, the, you know, we're all in Scandinavia, so there's a lot of ABBA in there. <laughs> and, uh, but no, it, it was uh, the the one chap who's in the band. His name's uh, Roger Johansson. He's uh, a bit of a death metal wizard. Uh, everything he seems to touch turns to gold, and he's got multiple projects, multiple bands going on. And he wrote me uh, via Facebook, actually, by uh, social media, and said, and asked me, you know, would I like to be a part of a, a project that he was doing? It was just an album. I would do one song and record vocals for it, and he would give. Me, he gave me a, a bunch of lyrics and said, you, you know, reconstruct them yourself. And while I was Whoa. doing that and, and, and recording the vocals, I thought, I'm going to talk to this guy and see about maybe doing a full release, a full album with him. Because um, I'd always been interested in doing a, a, a death metal and punk mix. 
Mm-hmm. And I asked him, and within just a few emails backwards and forth, Down Among the Dead Men was born. And we said a, a cross between death metal and punk. And I, I played him some stuff that I was into, like Discharge and um, Conflict. And he said that he, he got the idea, and I said he had to have a, a death metal sound. And um, what, what he came up with worked perfectly. It was exactly what I was looking for. That's great. I, I, it has to be rare when two people can be in sync like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's as if he was, uh, I won't say as if he was psychic, but he just knew. Yeah. That's he, cool. he was, uh, he really is a wizard when it comes to that. So are you to the entirety of the band? No, there's another chap in there called Dennis Blomberg. And uh, I think he's guitars. We're looking good. On the actual release, there was just the three of us and a session drummer uh, called Eric. Now, this I can't remember his last name, unfortunately. It's a very Scandinavian name. So. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he, Not a lot of vowels, a lot drums, of consonants. But then on the live shows, we are planning to play live next year. We have a, a chap called Matt Feibig coming in. Uh, he will be playing drums, and he'll be a permanent member. So it's myself, Roger Johansson. Dennis Blomberg and Feibig is the full lineup, the permanent ones. Then we're going to have a session bass player. Is it is it hard to collaborate with people when when you have sort of session musicians coming in and out? I mean, do you take cues from the temporary members? Um, I don't think it's hard. Not especially now with Roger because he's so established as a musician. He knows everybody and all the other bands and he'll just say can i borrow you for you know a, a week <laughs> or, or 10 days and he play this listen to this learn it and um yeah you can maybe you know earn a few bucks that's really cool yeah uh how many tracks do you have on this initial release this one there's 13 now if, if anyone who listens to metal breakfast radio knows that i really do not like songs that are too long i think the <laughs> longest song on this album is three and a half minutes and to me oh, that's no. quite long because <laughs> like, that's one thing i've hated about death metal recently and in the last half decade has been the fact that bands have been putting out albums that consist of 10 songs and they're almost 10 or some 10 or 12 minutes each and they have 75 different riffs in the songs and they go absolutely nowhere they don't do anything for me so i just wanted to the short brief to the point and in fact leave the audience wanting more and the album only runs at 30 minutes am i uh i may be wrong in this is isn't a, a signature of some of some death metal i suppose sort of those overture ballads like those really dark melodic uh I don't know, intros or, or, or outros of, of just your just your music, no lyrics or anything like that? Yeah, they there are those that have have them and um the they're windy intros and windy yeah. outros and I I cannot stand them. Just get on with it and get off yeah. with it as well by the end of the album. Yeah. That's what the wife says too. Just get them get off. Get get on yeah. and get off. Come on. I need to wash my soaps. That's cool. Um, <laughs> and anything but you. Uh, um, well, I mean, where other than the track that I'm about to play, where can people go to hear a little bit of this album? Ooh, now let me see. Um, Any the, teaser spots? Yes, there is one on YouTube. I have a, a channel on YouTube. If you look up um, the user on YouTube, Lapdog1, L-A-P-D-O-G, numerical one, um, that's my 
YouTube channel. There's a track on there. And also, if you go to facebook.com forward slash down among the dead men, there'll be links there to uh, a, a different track where there's also the pre order for the album. Um, the album's released on the 22nd of November on uh, Cyclone Empire Records. And that is uh, the day before the Doctor Who 50th anniversary, I'd just like to point out to people. <laughs> I, I am a, quite, quite a big fan of that television show. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard <laughs> every time we talk. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. It, I mean, it, obviously, it's it's ingrained. It's a part of just uh, the culture of you. Um, mm. So it comes out in you know some of your other projects, well, all of your other projects as well too. Um, Even down among the dead men. Really? Yes. Oh, there interesting. Are, there's only one set of lyrics on there that has absolutely nothing to do with Doctor Who. And that's wow. because I, I wrote them uh, in 1988. Yeah. Um, the other songs, they all have very tenuous links, very, very tenuous links. <laughs> and, but the band name, in fact, uh, has a, 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 a slight link to it as well. There was a, in some of the Doctor Who audio adventures, there's a character called uh, Professor Bernice Summerfield. She's an archaeologist, and she wrote a book as an archaeologist in the stories, uh, called Down Among the Dead Men, and I stole it from there. Wow. So that's that's the entire history of the, the title? Yeah, not, in, not entirely. There's one other bit. Uh, uh, some people will know, but I actually worked as an archaeological assistant, and I helped dig up Romans in a, a small town called Roster in England back no in, way. Mid, in the mid-'80s, yeah, as I was a teenager. That's amazing. One first, yeah, one of my first jobs, so... I, I loved the whole idea of archaeology and being in a trench down among these dead men. And there was Roman soldiers that we were digging up. It's crazy. Uh, soldiers and their serfs and slaves and stuff. Uh, it, was, uh, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Is that something you'd ever return to? Uh, over here, not in Denmark. Yeah. Uh, because here in Denmark, you're pigeonholed with whatever education that you have. And if you don't have the correct education, you cannot take the job until you've got the education, not even just as a simple assistant. Wow. You need to have some sort of education in it. Uh, uh, but the strange thing is my lab work in that I'm doing now, I work in a, a laboratory, uh, I got that job because I've had my experience with the archaeology. That's it, cool. it just It was very strange that they allowed me, but I got it. Because I, I work for the, the Danish Cancer Research Foundation. I'm just a lab tech there. Yeah. That's amazing. It's, it's weird where life takes you. Yeah. Um, well, before we hear this track, uh, again, this is going to be Infernal Nexus from the self-titled debut album of Down Among the Dead Men. Um, is it hard? I mean, you're you're an, a legend in, in the industry. Um, and there... I mean, I would imagine it would be much easier for you to be signed to a record or to be, you know, have your music released. But what about those people who are just up and coming? Is, is it difficult to get your albums released uh, to an actually listening audience? I don't know if you've ever heard of a band called Job for a Cowboy, but they got famous via MySpace. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought the, their band name was incredibly silly, but... Yeah, yeah. That, that may have helped. Uh, but, mm. yeah, they, they got famous via MySpace. I mean, that doesn't happen anymore. But I don't even know. Does MySpace still exist? I don't use it. So. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it does uh, exist. Uh, it's not thriving by any means. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Well, th- th- there was them. And for bands who are starting out, I would say utilize the tools that are there. There's the, the internet is the, the greatest tool to humankind, really, I would say. It, it, you can use it. There's, um, you can put your record your music, put it onto Amazon, to iTunes, to CD Baby, and then you can use the internet to promote it. Uh, initially, it's going to be tough, but you can't do it. There are bands that have done it. For example, that job for a cowboy. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and listen to this track. And uh, again, uh, this is David Ingram with his new uh, musical experience. I don't know, a new musical band, uh, Down Among the Dead Men, uh, Infernal Nexus from this self-titled debut album. And that was again Infernal Nexus. Uh, that was fantastic. Does when you're putting these together, David? Um, how how many how much do you refine the the song once you've laid down your your tracks? Uh, it's I don't because what I usually do is I'll get a rough mix sent through. Whether it was Down Among the Dead Men or Bolter or even as far back as Benediction, I get a rough mix, a rough tape of the, the, the song, and I could write my lyrics to it. And then I would send a, a rough mix back to them. I'd say, this is it, sort of. It's very basic. Uh, but they always had the option of changing things around or adding or shortening, etc. Um, but it's only when they actually recorded the music. I got sent through all of the Down Among the Dead Men songs completed. And then I could put these vocals to I, I really hadn't got much to change. They hadn't done a lot to them. In fact, they'd extended it by a couple of bars at the beginning or at the end. And that was it. 
the rest of it was exactly how it was when I, I first got it. So I didn't wow. have a lot of work to do. And I think that's how we worked so quickly. Nine months to yeah. from, from, from the band's inception <laughs> right through to the, the release of the album. And the, I think November 22nd will be the nine-month mark. Oh, wow. So that, that's, uh, that's damn fast for an album to get recorded and put out. And also we got uh, signed. The, the record label never heard a note. As you said, oh, you two guys are working together. We'll sign you. <laughs> Reputation alone, that's amazing. Yeah, which is nice. I mean, that doesn't happen for a lot of bands these days. I mean, bands starting out. And yeah. it's, it's nice that this reputation, you know, is there for me and for this label. As well, they're, they're people that they started this label some years ago. Uh, they were people that worked for, um, I think it was Metal Blade Records. And I, was, I used to be signed to them when I was in Bolt Thrower. Oh, wow. So it's, it'd be nice to work with them again and uh, be good to hopefully get to see them. Yeah. If we can get, get ourselves down to Germany to play, that would be very nice. So you are going to be touring? We hope so. We have planned it. Um, I think initially we'll just be some shows in Scandinavia, uh, Denmark and Sweden. Since the, all the other guys live in Sweden, it's only some yeah. uh, 150, 200 miles away. It's really not that far. So we, uh, I can travel up and we can rehearse together and then knock out maybe three or four shows around, finish one in Copenhagen, which would suit me because then I don't have to travel home. Yeah. Uh, then, and that, that's what we'll do, the initial thing. And we've also said that if the correct tour, a full tour, is offered to us, we will take it. We'd be stupid not to. Yeah. And also over the summer, uh, the festival circuit, if we can get some of the, the bigger festivals, if they're willing to, um, get us on there, then we'll go. Hell yeah! Are there any are there any uh, other bands out there that you would what What would be I don't know maybe your top two bands to to have open for you or to play with? I think the, the, a band we would definitely like to tour with, uh, without a doubt, Bolt Thrower. That would be amazing. Yes, that would because it would be good to hang out with those guys and girl uh, <laughs> again. Because, uh, I mean, in the last 10 years, I think I've seen them twice. No, oh, it's, wow. uh, in the last five and a half years, I'd say, I've seen them twice. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not good enough, really. I, I do miss them. I do email them a lot, though. They're, they're very mm-hmm. close friends. So. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to do that. It's a good tour with Ball Thrower. I'm, I'm not sure with other bands. I'm sure that Roger could think of uh, a whole bunch. Oh, I know one. Master. I'm good friends with Paul Speckman. That would be an interesting tour. Hell yeah. All right. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about this. And I love the music, and I'm hoping uh, you are incredibly successful. As, you know, if, if history is any guide, uh, this is going to be another legendary band. Oh, thank you very much, sir. That's very kind of you. And uh, thank you very much for allowing me back on the show. I will say allowing. You didn't drag me or singing <laughs> and screaming. Uh, it's always an absolute pleasure to be on here. Thank you very much. Uh, until next time, Hell Satan. Hail Satan. And that's going to do it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed it. And we would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and just send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. And if you want to reach out to Aaron, and you do. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> was that dirty? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, check her out on Twitter. 
Chelsea Girl 19. Check her out on Facebook, down at the crossroads. Uh, reach out. Who knows what you can touch? Reach um, out. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the same net, Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to 9 cents via iTunes by searching 9 cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. And, uh, I don't know, Aaron, maybe in your wonderful, fat American voice, can you make mm-hmm. a case for people to share 9 cents? <laughs> Would it fucking kill you to fucking post it <laughs> on the internet? <laughs> on the internet? <laughs> post it on the Google. The Googles. <laughs> yeah, share 9 cents with your friends, people. Share and- it. We need to make sure that, uh, because, and I say this because I literally yesterday got a message on nine cents saying, I just heard your podcast for the first time. I really enjoyed your discussion with Magister Nemo and I've been on a nine cents bender. Ever yeah. Since. I get that a lot. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Hold on. <Andrew. laughs> I'll drink to benders. So, oh. And. And the other thing, whatever it was you were saying. I don't know. Nine cents? <laughs> whatever. No, I, I genuinely get that all the time. So you guys are obviously sharing it. Somehow people are hearing about it. Let's keep it up. Because the, whether you like my voice or not, and I know not all of you do, mm-hmm. um, there are contributors here, like Aaron, that are amazing and that people do love to hear. So share nine cents. Once again, thank you for joining me. And as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell, being joined by Aaron. <laughs> and until next week, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Satan. <laughs> <laughs>